Crime One and Chaos contains adult language and graphic content. Listener discretion is advised. Your best is always good enough for us, Chaos Kids. I'm Naomi. (laughs) I'm Amber, and this is Crime, Wine, and Chaos. (laughs) Is that effort or like a true best? I mean, whatever. We're not not qualifying that. We're not qualifying that. You know okay, what? We're great. all trying. We're all trying our hardest and doing our best. That's true. You know? Preach, you know? sister. Yeah. How totally. are you? Oh, man, I, I'm spent. I'm spent. It's <laughs> been a week. I'm, yes. Aww. You know. Okay, perimenopause. So I started my period on Monday out of the blue, like a week sooner than it should have started, and then. I had already signed up to get a COVID booster on Tuesday afternoon. And so Wednesday I was down for the count with a COVID booster running through me. And Thursday was like the struggle bus to get, you know, back to some semblance of normal. And, you know, in the meantime, just life, global events, you name it, all of the things. And uh, then today I had therapy and I spent like probably 20 to 30 minutes of my 40 or 53 minute session, like sobbing and screaming at my therapist. (laughs) Oh, it was one of those kind of sessions. Mm. So things are going well. (laughs) God, I'm sorry, sister. So good. Everything's so good. Wow. That's brutal. It's fine. You know what? It's fine. I, like I said in a TikTok video, because, you know, I'm down the TikTok rabbit hole. I, I'm I'm, not, you know, like I'm not marching 15 hours with the, what I could carry on my back while my house is bombed and my family is killed. So I'll be fine. I'll be fine. It's true. It's true. I'll be fine. This- what about you? Oh, well, I shit. I mean, I guess I've had a glorious week by comparison. Nothing nothing to report. God, good God, sister. Uh, I had dinner with Allie. No, it's okay. It's all right. Had dinner with a friend. That was nice. You know, you know, when you just have good convo with a friend that you're close to. I do know when it just like goes there and it's like the deep dive. So that was awesome. It's always good. And, um, have a date night tomorrow night. Looking forward to that. And you know, that's it. It's Friday. It's been a long week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you uh, kicking back with something alcoholic? What do you got? That's to right, today? sister. I've got a cab from 14 Hands Columbia Winery. So what is it? Nine hats, three pants, 14 hands. <laughs> and a partridge in a pear tree. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, mm. this is a, this is a, I could end up just sobbing during your story today, unless you happen to for once follow through and bring me a happy crime. No. Okay. Sorry. Okay. I'm okay. For once follow through. I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. You know, what? you keep promising. You keep promising no me. Promises. I said, try. And you said at the top of the show <laughs> that I can do my best and I am. I did say that. Jesus, how quick. I'm not the one who boosted your COVID. I'm not the one you're mad at. Okay. No, you're not. We always hurt the ones we love, though. You know what I mean? 
Whoever's closest. That's who we lash out at. I apologize, sister. Jesus You're so right. You're so right. I need right. to look inward. <laughs> wow. God. That's all right. That's all right. Um, I did actually take a cue out of your book and decided to do one on an indigenous woman. And so it's very sad. Great. And it's also local. Okay. Yeah. Did you know that Washington is in the top five of like crimes against indigenous people, like where it's the worst? I did know the Pacific Northwest in general, because BC is kind of included in those numbers. But yeah. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about Mavis Kindness Nelson. Oh, okay. So she's 56 years old and living in Seattle. She was a member of the Yakima Nation. Mm -hmm. She had three adult children and was described as extremely kind. She it's worked right there in her name. It's right there in her name. Kindness. Yeah. She worked the front desk at Compass Center at the Plymouth Housing Alliance, which provides services to unhoused individuals. Oh. I know. She has two sons and a daughter, and people who knew her described her as someone who was perpetually smiling. And she went by the nickname Boots because as a girl, she loved dancing to the Nancy Sinatra song, These Boots Are Made for Walking. <laughs> Ready, Boots? Uh, here Start we go. Walking. <laughs> <laughs> it really made me wish. I always wish that I have a fun nickname that's like has nothing to do with my real name. Sure. Like Boots. Yeah, I get it. I get Is it, it too late in life to create one. Well, you know, it's a controversial question because some people think you don't get to create your nickname. People have to give it to you. People that hmm. decide on their own nickname are usually looked, they, they get a little, they get side eye for that. They get side oh, eye. Oh, yeah. That. No, I'm just going to gently encourage people to think of one for me. You know what? I'll start thinking. Okay, great. Not like in this current state of mind, because you like had hatred for me like 30 seconds ago. Let's There's revisit no this <laughs> next week. So like, no I've got one. <laughs> Asshat. That's your new nickname. Like, oh, uh oh, cutie. <laughs> no, I would okay. never. <laughs> All right. So Mavis's friend Roxanne White said, quote, I used to think she was so beautiful, but not just beautiful, but so kind and sweet. Inside and out beautiful. Yep. Roxanne is also the founder of a grassroots group in Washington state that advocates on behalf of missing and murdered indigenous people. And she said that Mavis left a lasting impression with a lot of people. So on May 19th, 2022, just after 10 PM, Mavis used the rideshare lift to go home after visiting a friend in Auburn, Washington. On the way, she called 33 year old Charles Becker. The two met up at Mavis's apartment and then left together to go to Becker's apartment. And this was the last time she was ever seen alive. So nearly a month or a little over a month later, on June 20th, 2022, her body was found in Kincaid Ravine on the University of Washington campus. Oh, my God. I was reading this location and it was like a stone's throw away from our cousin brother's house. Well, yeah, the university district is not that big. No, it's not. So Seattle police responded to a 911 call from a passerby who discovered her remains. <sighs> this is major trigger warning. Okay. In the ravine, they found three trash bags that appeared to have been thrown from the road 
and one of them had ruptured on impact. So this is what this poor passerby saw. Um, one bag had organs and flesh. Another bag had dismembered arms and legs. And a third bag had her head and a torso. This is like a year and a half ago. How I did not even know about this. Mm-hmm. This is horrific. It's fucking horrific. What so fuck? I know. And it's kind of, I didn't feel the closure that I was hoping to feel at the end of this, but whatever. So obviously her family and friends are shocked. Her sister, Ernestine Morning Owl, who lived in Oregon, was vacationing in Idaho with her daughter and grandchildren when she received the call that Mavis had been found deceased. And Morning Owl didn't even know that her sister was missing. What? How did she? Her daughter and coworkers reported her missing when she didn't show up for work. But I don't think it was. I don't. I don't know. It wasn't treated as a missing persons case. I don't think so. Mm-mm. Morning Owl said it was the hummingbird tattoo on her sister's arm that identified her. Yeah, it's just so fucked up. So when police asked Morning Owl about Charles Becker, she said that she had never heard that name. It was later learned that possibly they may have worked for the same transitional housing center at one point and had acquaintances in common. But Morning Owl also told police that Mavis was in a romantic relationship with someone else. So it wasn't Becker that she was like dating. Okay. When police review Mavis's cell phone records, they see that the last place her phone pinged was near Becker's home. Mm hmm. Yeah. This fucking piece of shit. So in Yakima tribal tradition, the deceased need to be buried within three days of passing. This is the same as Arpana. Arpana. Yeah. Yeah. With her Hindu culture. Yep. Such a hard, hard decision. So in their tradition, they hold a dressing service with the deceased dressed in buckskin with a viewing session. So Morning Owl was tasked with the difficult decision of either honoring her tribal traditions or allowing investigators to keep Mavis's body for further investigation. I know. So fucked up. So she ultimately agrees to let them keep her, hoping that it will lead to an arrest. And she's glad that she did because it did. Okay. And doing this, police are able to obtain, so they get DNA found on a pair of medical gloves left near her body. And the DNA was a match to Charles Becker, Mm -hmm. this fucker. When they question Becker, who, it says he lived in a dorm near the university, but he's like 30 something years old. So I'm wondering if it's like, there's a lot of old buildings there that used to be dorms and now they're just apartments. Oh, you know, so maybe I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can't imagine a 33 year old is living in a dorm, but maybe I guess this fucker said he admitted that the two had gotten together for drinks that night. And he said that Mavis just mysteriously died in his apartment. Oh my God. You know what? This is, it's always. This mysterious death. I woke up in the shower. I had been asleep mm-hmm. in the shower. And then I came out and she was dead. Yeah. And I don't know uh-huh. what happened. And I yeah. just panicked. I just panicked. And I didn't know what to do. So I chopped her up and threw her into a ravine in, in, in garbage bags. Oh, well, first he said he didn't know 
what to do. So he just stored her body in his closet for a couple of weeks. I'm sorry, what? Well, because she was discovered June 20th. She went missing May 19th. So, like, what are we doing? He just put her body in a closet? That's what he said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A a decomposing body in his closet. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he's living in a dorm. Next to his shoes? Mm. Mm -hmm. I... He also wanted to make sure that they knew that they had a consensual sexual relationship and he admitted to having sex with her on the night she died. Right. Yeah. Okay. So when they do a search of his apartment, they find blood evidence, which comes back to match Mavis. They didn't find like a giant goopy stain at the bottom of his closet where a decomposing body was like leeching fucking fluids no i dug and dug and dug and i had a hard time finding a lot of information about this case what the fuck Um, yeah they find very grainy cctv footage showing two individuals throwing the trash bags into the ravine two yes so that person is never found Don't know who that was. Don't know where they dismembered her. Because I'm assuming it would have said if they found, I mean, that would be not just like, oh, we found some blood. Like, where are you doing that at? I I don't know. Maybe in the bathtub. Maybe they didn't take the time to search the drain. I Amber, when I covered the case of what her, what was her first name? I can't remember. Zawada, the gal in... Damn it. The one where they found her skin in the yes in the river. Yes. It was like 30 years later almost when they got that guy and they had literal biological evidence that they got out of his bathtub like 27 years later or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we're talking like a matter of a month, there's absolutely still some fucking biological evidence in there. Right. Right. Well, again, I don't know how much, well, we'll get to it because I think that, not I think, we'll get to it. Some of the reasons why I couldn't, why there isn't a lot of information out there, I think is good. So we'll get to it. Okay. Um, Because he is charged with first degree murder and sexually violating human remains. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. So again, obviously they had evidence pointing towards that happening. But as far as information out there, there isn't any. Sexually violating human remains? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So this fucking piece of shit, in 2016, he was charged with manslaughter for the death of his four-month-old son. I'm so- Prosecutors say the baby was living in fucking filth and died by asphyxiating on a plastic bag. <gasps> this series of events and the details around it just gets fucking worse amber every time you say a sentence he only served two years for the death of his son Uh, what sorry guys it was like i don't remember exactly what the charge was called but he basically was found guilty of like accidental negligence or something Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm 
Where's the mom in all that? I have no idea. I have no idea. What the fuck? A four-month-old? What the fuck? Like, how does that... Yeah, that means you just laid your son, like, on the ground or something. Like, what was that the first time he ever rolled over? And, like, rolled He's over just into like, a plastic bag and then couldn't breathe because he was, like, sucking, like, plastic into yeah. his mouth? Yeah, what? and can still barely lift his head and can't really move around. And I, I don't... It's awful. It's fucking I, awful. First I cried. Now I want to flip tables. Yeah. You can flip it. Don't flip the table that your mic is on. I can't. But it's like, way too heavy. Like it's okay. Way, flip like a different a full, table. Like L-shaped, like full on desk setup here. There's yeah. No same, this, same. So. No flipping. Mm-mm. So in June of 2023, he entered a plea of guilty. He was sentenced to 34 years in prison on charges of first-degree murder, unlawful imprisonment, and sexually violating human remains. I, so Washington is one of the, I don't know how many states have this, but our sentencing guidelines are pretty locked in. Like there's no- Right, like they're very like, there's brackets, they're like mm-hmm. very specific, and they there's not a, like really much in the way of wiggle room. Yeah. And so the judge in this case, that was the maximum that- he could be sentenced. And she basically was like reaming his ass. And she started to go into sort of details of like what he did, like to explain why you're such a fucking horrific piece of shit. And Mavis's family members were like, please don't, we don't want to, we don't want to know. I don't want to, we don't want to know. So I think oh. that's why, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you'd probably have to do like a FOIA to get like, I love that you call it a FOIA. <laughs> Freedom of Information Act. <laughs> Is that what you mean? A FOIA request. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, a- I knew exactly what you meant. I've never heard anyone use an acronym like that before. They in that way. They call it. Yeah, no, I'm, no, not, I'm, know, not, I'm not the only one. Come on. I, I've never heard that. You never heard it called a FOIA request? No, but I'm only going to call it that from now on. Well, that's what it's, that's what other people trust me. That's what people call it. Anyway, I'm saying like you probably like you might be able to get some if you did like a right like a records request, basically, right? But yeah, like, but I don't want even, if they would even let you. Yeah, but if they don't want to hear it, I'm not going to put it on a podcast. No, hundred percent. No, hundred you know? percent. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, if she's yeah. Somehow they knew that he sexually violated her and obviously she was dismembered. So I don't even. It sounds like she wasn't even dismembered. He also like gutted her. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because her organs were in a separate bag from her torso. Yeah. What the fuck? Don't know. I don't it's, know. Like, and the thing I mean, is, it's hard is, enough like... to like wrap my mind around murdering someone like that is hard mm-hmm. enough for me to grasp. But then to like do that to a bot to a human body, mm. I, it's just like I can't. Mm-mm. That I think also because he entered a plea of guilty, there was not. There was no discovery. There was no witnesses. There was no, no testimony. There was there no, isn't. Yeah. I, there's yeah. nothing about like who is this fucker? How did she really know him? Why did he do this? Not that there's right. a good reason why, but no, like but what the right. fuck is going on? Right. Exactly. Exactly. What was the relationship? Why were they meeting up at ten o'clock? And like what was going on? I have no idea. That's the part where I'm like, I don't really feel satisfied at the end of this. But and also, how is like no one noticing that she's like legit missing for a month? 
I think people did. I just, I don't know why her sister didn't know. I don't know why. I can see if they know that she's on vacation with her grandkids, like don't unnecessarily alarm her right away. Yeah, but she was, she couldn't have been on vacation with her grandkids for a whole month. No. Mm -mm. I just, so no one was even looking for her. I'm sure her family was, but. Well, the police, it sounds like the police weren't. (sighs) Probably, probably not. I've got a little bit more here. Th- okay, I'm sorry. Will- no, don't, please don't be sorry. So here's part of Morning Owl's victim impact statement in court. Quote, he took from the world a woman who cared for the well-being of those who suffered in their lives. She showed compassion to those who lived and whose lives were impacted by circumstances that had them down and out and in need of help. She was there for them. Mavis's niece, Doc Kensora, told the judge, oh, she told the judge that at her Auntie Boots's funeral, she and her cousins gathered in the longhouse kitchen and recalled how Auntie Boots would cuddle and kiss them and stroke their hair and call them baby. She would rub us and comfort us and make us all feel like we were the most important people in the world that mattered. It was the greatest feeling in the world. How can somebody take that love from us? There wasn't anything bad or mean that she ever did. Oh, Auntie Boots. <sighs> So I hate it too. Becker's own defense attorney, William Prestia acknowledged that with quote, a set of crimes of this magnitude, there is little the defense can say. He said the defense didn't submit any mitigating materials and wasn't asking for leniency. Mr. Becker's crimes are notorious and he'll arrive at the department of corrections carrying the stigma of his crimes. Wow, that was his defense attorney. Yeah, he was like, "I got nothing. This guy sucks." Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit! Uh, So Mavis Kindness did have a proper burial three months after her passing. She's buried at Black Wolf Cemetery near her mother, who served as a judge and as vice chairwoman for the Yakima Nation General Council. Wow. Government agencies around the country continue to combat the disproportionate risk at which indigenous people go missing and become murdered. In recent years, grassroots groups like Roxanne White's, the missing and murdered indigenous women and girls have highlighted the alarming statistics in which native females disappear or face homicidal violence. (sighs) That is the not, not happy story of Mavis Kindness Nelson. Oh, I know she has kindness in her name and boots. Oh my God. I know her nieces. That that's what got me. That's what got me. You saw me. I know. That's what got me. I'm a weeping oh. mess right now. You guys. Fuck. I'm sorry. I mean, look, I was like all sitting there under the surface today. Anyway, I'm just like, my heart is just like broken wide open right now. But you know, and like every time we cover a story, I, Reminds me of Arpana. Like, I wanted to fucking know her. Like, I wanted to be able oh. to know Mavis. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. She sounds she like a sounds, cool lady. She that does I would sound really, like a cool lady. really enjoy her company. Mm-hmm. So. Same. Damn yeah. it. Okay. Well, um, <sighs> thanks for that, sister. Um, You're welcome, I guess. Well, all right. I've got. Kind of an unsatisfying one for you, too. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you dissatisf- know. Dissatisfaction. 
I can't get, I can get some dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction. I'm going to tell you (laughs) about Charles and Catherine Romer. Have you ever heard about them? No. Okay. Well, so we'll start with Charles. Charles Robert Romer was born August 27th, 1906 to parents, John and Mabel. He was the eldest of four children born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and raised in New York. Charles was described as intelligent, hardworking, and determined, and had a very successful career in the oil industry, eventually becoming an executive for the Sinclair Oil Corporation. Okay. He married Jane O'Shea in 1929 in New Rochelle, New York, and they had two sons together, Charles Jr. and Richard. Charles and Jane were very social, often attending equestrian events, and they also through a lot of parties. The two also owned property in Miami. And once Charles had retired, they went full snowbird and spent most of their winters down there. Hmm. Jane passed away in 1973 at the age of 65. Ooh, that's young. Mm-hmm. Among Charles's and Jane's circle of friends were Catherine and Frank Heller. Catherine was born Catherine Blanchfield on July 20th, 1902. So she's a few years older than Charles to parents, Thomas and Mary. She was the second oldest out of six children. She was working as a stenographer in 1925 when she met Frank, who was 13 years older than her and quite wealthy and successful already. He was the president of Raymond and Heller, a carpet manufacturer in Auburn, New York as well as the chairman of several real estate firms. Okay. Wow. Catherine and Frank were married on March 29th, 1926, and moved to Scarsdale, New York. People said Frank was polite, kind, and smart, and that Catherine and Frank seemed quite happy. They had only one kid, Frank Jr., Lots of juniors, lots Lots of juniors. juniors. Frank and Charles both had to have a junior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've never been a fan of it myself. Mm -mm, I I mm -mm. find it to be strange to me. My man friend is a junior and Uh it it presents problems. You know, his phone rings all day. His dad owns multiple properties Uh and he's a landlord. And so- (gasps) A good landlord. But um, <laughs> Michael gets phone calls literally probably 20 plus a day. And some dad. of them are some of them are robo calls, but most of them are like, we want to know if you're interested in selling your property. Oh, <sighs> I just he- wonder about like, I don't know, like identity. And there's some weird kind of I don't know, like you're an extension of me. And that's like that whole thing. We've talked about this, like People that think mm-hmm. that their kids are somehow an extension of them or, or they belong to them. It's just weird to me. Like, let, yeah, let, kids, be the, let kids be their own people, you know? it uh, That and, like, I just remember myself, like, the very long process of selecting names is, like, yeah. I remember, I, I know that dad, like, when Marissa and I were born was, like, well, you have to see what they look like first, which... <laughs> And that's always told as a joke, but it's like, well, that's legit. Like, I mean, kind of, except for pretty much all babies are born looking like old men. But also, like, we <laughs> got to kind of get, you got to get their vibe, you know? Right. Babies have a vibe. 
Sure, 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 sure. You're yeah, totally anyway. an amber though. Yeah, but is that because I embraced that that's what was given to me? Or do you think, I mean, well, I mean that's, a, I that's a different know. debate. But I, I agree know. with you. Somebody that wants their own, like I don't want my own little amber. No, like, it's weird, a little mini right? amber. It's weird. And you know, that's the other thing too. And I think that's one of the reasons why I always critique it. It's only with men and their sons. You mm-hmm. never hear about a no woman has ever wanted to name their daughter like the you know junior after themselves. Not that I've ever heard. I would hate to be referred to as junior, also, I think. Right. So that's why a lot of them end up going by JR. Oh yeah, huh? Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, that's sorry, the whole totally thing. tangential, you guys. Anyway, mm-hmm. so Catherine, mm-hmm. Catherine was active in a bunch of clubs, and just like Charles and Jane, Catherine and Frank also loved horses and throwing parties. Mm-hmm. And Frank passed away on May 10th, 1965. So Catherine took over Frank's real estate and she was said to be very shrewd and very bright in managing that. So okay. we're talking about a couple of wealthy couples here. Yeah. People that do horse things. Uh-huh. That's a whole, right. like boat people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Actually, with the first couple, you referred to it as equestrian. And I actually had to think about that for a second. And I was like, I think that's horsies. That's what my brain did. <laughs> Sorry. I should have been should have should have brought that down a class or two. <laughs> okay. That's all right. We got there. Mm-hmm. Uh so after Jane passed away, Charles reconnected with his old widowed friend Catherine Heller, and the two fell in love. And okay. they were married on December 3rd, 1974. So about a year or so after Jane died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. they moved to Scarsdale into one of the apartment buildings that Catherine owned. Okay. Charles and Catherine, of course, they had a house in Miami because, you know, Charles had that house in Miami that him and Jane used to go snowbird down at, right? And they also snowbirded. So every winter they would leave New York and they would head down to Florida to spend the season in a warmer climate, like a lot of retired people with money in the Northeast do. Well, mm. on the West Coast, guys, it's, it's Arizona or Palm Arizona. Springs. Yep. It's Arizona or Palm Springs. They do Washington and Oregon, wealthy, retired Washington and Oregon people. Let's be clear, white people go down to <laughs> Arizona. And Palm Springs, maybe New Correct. Mexico during the winter months. That's their snowbird on this side of the of the states. So anyway, and that's what they did the winter of 1979 slash 1980. So we're back in 1980, which is the same year as the MGM Grand Fire. Uh, so, yep. So by April of 1980, New York was beginning to warm up and it was time for them to make the road trip back to Scarsdale. Catherine and Charles always drove the same route there and back every year, and they even stayed in the same hotels along the way. Aren't they like 100 now? They're driving? I mean... Sorry. Uh, I, You know what? I'm not sure how old they were. I'd have to do the math. Charles okay, was born well, in 1906. He, he was 60, 75. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're up okay. there. Okay. Right. Yeah, they're driving, but... They're driving in a 1979 Lincoln Continental. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. a big one. It's a big one. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. They're driving in old, old, retired white people style. Mm. They reached Brunswick, Georgia on the afternoon of April 8th 
and checked into a Holiday Inn just off I-95 at 3.51 p.m. They were for sure seen carrying their luggage to their hotel room. And that would be the last time anyone saw either one of them ever again. What? So housekeeping came to their room either the morning after or two mornings after they checked in. It's I, I saw it different days, depending on the article I was reading. Either way, the housekeeper knocked on the door and there was no response. So she let herself in to tidy up and Charles and Catherine weren't there, but all their stuff was, and everything looked totally normal. Their clothes were hanging in the closet. Their luggage was stacked in the corner of the room. A bottle of scotch and two empty glasses were on one of the nightstands and a book and a pair of reading glasses was on the other nightstand. There were a few potted plants on the floor. Catherine was bringing them back from Miami to their place in Scarsdale. The desk was covered in tax forms along with Charles's little journal that he kept for their travels. And then like a couple days went by before the hotel staff eventually realized that something was up because I think, which is weird because, okay, so their reservation was for only one night and they never checked out. But the same housekeeper that had been there the first time returned like a couple days later to clean again and realized that the room looked exactly as it had the last time that she'd been there. And Charles and Catherine were nowhere to be found. And also their car was not in the parking lot. So this is weird. Yeah. So this is weird. So she notifies the hotel's management and they call the Glen County police department and report the, these two is missing. And it was also around this same time that Charles and Catherine's kids were also beginning to grow concerned because none of them had heard from either of them since the 6th of April, which would have been two days before they checked into that hotel. And when Charles, it was on the 6th that Charles had called Charles Jr. and wished him a happy Easter, but it wasn't normal for the couple to go this long without speaking to at least one of their children. Right. Especially when they're making a long road trip. and Right. They're old people making an, a long road trip. Yes. I'm sure mm-hmm. their kids are like insistent that they call and check in with mm-hmm. them along the way. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, the phone records show that Charles called the Scarsdale apartment at 417 PM. I think this was the eighth and talked to their housekeeper there, Charles and Catherine's housekeeper and told her that he and Catherine would be home in two days. So that would be the 10th. Police showed up. They searched the hotel room for clues and found around $500,000 worth of jewelry in there. Jeez. Some of the jewelry was missing, though, including a platinum ring with an emerald cut diamond and three pairs of earrings valued at $150,000 altogether. Oh, my God. Most everyone assumed that Catherine was wearing all the jewelry that wasn't in the room that wasn't accounted for because she was the type of gal to wear many expensive pieces at any given time. Jeez, that would make me nervous, but all right. No shit. Mm-hmm. The only other items that seemed to be missing were Charles's wallet, which would have probably had like four to $500 in it because that's how much he usually carried around on his person. Mm-hmm. Catherine's purse and the Lincoln. So, mm-hmm. There were some reports of supposed sightings of the couple in the area. A Georgia state trooper claimed that he saw a black Lincoln moving south 
towards Florida on the highway around 5 p.m. on April 8th. The car had New York plates that read CRRCBR, which are Charles and Catherine's initials. He said it was about 40 miles south of the Holiday Inn. Okay, weird. Right. Another state trooper reported a Lincoln parked near a strip mall south of Brunswick around 5 p.m., but the exact location of this sighting has never been released to the public. Then a local contractor by the name of Jim Wilson came forward, and Mm -hmm. he said he had an actual conversation with Charles and Catherine on the afternoon of the 8th. His story is they were sightseeing on nearby Jekyll Island, which is about 20 miles away from the hotel, and that the three of them were discussing fishing. Do any of the juniors say if this is... It's, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing this, yeah, I, yes. a, a drive they've made multiple times. They're not sightseeing. They need a place to crash for the night and they need to get back on the road. They're not going 40 miles south to check out a town. They're not, they're not doing that, right? This is a plow through and get home. You're very, you're so right, sister. So Jim Wilson also said that a bit later, the Catherine and Charles were talking to another couple as well. And he said he didn't remember much about this other couple, but he got the impression they were also from New York. Charles Jr. didn't really believe this Jim Wilson guy. Okay. Charles is quoted as saying, they'd be tired after driving that long. They weren't the type that went sightseeing. Usually they'd just check into a hotel, have a drink in their room, go down to dinner in a hotel restaurant, and go to bed. It's very unusual that they'd go out again. My gut feeling is that something happened here at the hotel, not in the hotel, but possibly in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. But he's basically right. saying like what you're exactly what you said, sister. Like they're oh. not. No, that's not well, a thing. It's not that kind of trip. Yeah. No. So another witness, a woman also staying at the hotel at the time that Charles and Catherine were checked in, said that she saw the pair standing in the doorway of their hotel room around 6 p.m. on the day they checked in, having a chat with another couple. This witness said. The other couple looked to be in their mid forties and had a small dog with them. Hmm. Okay. An intensive and comprehensive search of Glynn County was executed by the Glynn County police department and the FBI came in. Brunswick itself is surrounded by water and located on a peninsula. When someone goes missing there along with their vehicle, it usually means they ended up in the water. Oh shit. That means that this extensive search also included aerial searches as well as divers in every body of water and on every island within a 20-mile radius of the hotel. Every square mile of Glynn County was searched with helicopters, airplanes, search dogs, and four-wheel drive vehicles. Hmm. 400 miles of coastline, marsh, swamps, and timberland were scoured. Photographs of the couple and their vehicle were distributed between Savannah, Georgia, and the Florida state line, and nothing was found. Jesus. It's been over 43 years since Charles and Catherine went missing and there are still no answers. That is wild. Nothing. The 
Nothing. The police in Georgia are leaning towards foul play, theorizing that someone maybe followed them from Miami with the intent of robbing them and abducted them from their room in the process. But the fact that so much valuable jewelry was left behind in their room and no signs in the room of there being any struggle at all, it seems to indicate that is not what happened at all. So the thing that they really kept looking for was that Lincoln Continental. That's a big old car and pretty yeah. identifiable. Right. Yeah. And the, and the fact that they haven't found that either is pretty fucking weird. What's this? What What do they think about this gym guy? Just is Steve, is he just trying to insert himself into an investigation so he sounds cool or? I mean, there, I didn't find anything where anyone had any commentary on Jim. All right. Technically, the police don't have a case file they can even open because there's no evidence of a crime, which means it's not an active investigation and it hasn't been since the end of the initial search. As stated by one Glynn County officer, quote, I've never seen anything like this. All we have is two missing people and there is no law against being missing. (sighs) One agent at the FBI is quoted as saying this mysterious disappearance has been of concern to us because they are predictable, responsible people. And it all just doesn't make sense unless you assume there was some foul play. Mm-hmm. But the well, other, th- well, sorry, go ahead. Well, it's just, they're so wealthy. That is ripe for foul play, you know? Yeah. Except like, there's no indication in any of these stories that like, there was like a bunch of money withdrawn from any of their bank accounts mm. or anything like what they just took. Like if they were going to steal the car, they didn't have to take the couple too. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so the other theory that makes to me more sense is that the two went out the evening after they checked into the hotel and they accidentally did drive into a body of water that, and they just haven't been found in any of the searches yet. Yeah. Oh, their children have not given up or their children did not give up on finding them. Even after all the years that went by, Charles jr said, quote last year. And I don't know when this was, I think this would have been probably 2005. He said last year, we even hired the Wacken hut agency of Coral Gables, Florida. They're known all over the world to look into it. They made a three month investigation. They interviewed everyone that was possibly connected with it. And they too were stumped. The -hmm. private investigator did find out that a dude that had been a guest at the hotel on April 8th of 1980, who claimed that he saw Charles and Catherine around 7 PM leaving their room at, So they found out that there was a dude who said this. He said they were alone, but this guy was unable to be found again to be interviewed by the PI. And the only info they had was that this guy lived somewhere in Pennsylvania, but they couldn't track him down. The children used to make a point to return to Georgia each year in the hope of finding answers to this heartbreaking mystery. One of the divers during the initial search who hasn't been able to let it go all these years later actually did a second search on his own back in 2004, based on a credible tip from a woman who said that on the night the couple went missing, her husband was run off the road by a black Lincoln town car. So this diver went diving in an undisclosed location based on this Mm -hmm. information, but nothing was found. Hmm. Charles and Catherine were declared legally dead in 1985. All three of their children have also died. Richard died in 1992, Mm. Frank Jr. in 2001, and Charles Jr. in 2007. 
That's awful. This case still draws interest. In early 2023, this year, a private Oregon-based search and recovery dive team called Adventures with Purpose conducted their own search for Charles and Catherine. But again, there was no success with that. God, if that one witness is, if that is what they saw, it almost sounds like if maybe he had some sort of medical problem while he was driving. Maybe, like maybe they... If they were just staying in at Holiday Inn, maybe there was no place in the hall, like at the hotel to have dinner. So maybe they were like, they had a couple of drinks. They were driving somewhere for dinner. Yeah. Maybe Charles had some kind of medical emergency behind the wheel and they drove off the road and into, <sighs> into a body of water. And they're, they were old. What are the bodies of water right there? Well, there's like, there's like swamps and inlets and things because this town that they were in in Georgia is like on a peninsula. So it's like surrounded by water and marshes and swamps. And Hmm. so there's like a bunch of bodies of water. Oh God, that's terrible. Just disappeared. That was very unsatisfying too. Thanks. I'm really, really uh, sorry about that sister. That's, that's what I got for you today. Can't That's get no okay. satisfaction. Can't get no satisfaction today. Mm-hmm. Well, um, happy unsatisfying Friday, I guess. <laughs> oh, hey, we have a new Chaos Kid Club oh member. Oh my god, we do. We do. Karen. Karen F. F. Yes. <gasps> she sent a very nice email she too. Sent the nicest fucking message i have mm-hmm. read in the longest time karen you are a doll we are so happy to have you we are so grateful for you thank you so much for becoming a chaos kids club member and uh yeah. that means you guys that means that if you are a part of the patreon we'll be scheduling a virtual wine night for all the patrons so chaos kids yes, we will club we're gonna get together uh so mm-hmm. be on the lookout that uh info um what else anything else for the good of the order sis well i mean if other people want in on that action they can go sign up for five dollars a month we got a bunch of bonus episodes virtual wine nights that we do that's right that's right that's right you can Um, follow us on all the things and you know what you can send us you can send us messages you can write us love notes um on the apple podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts you can give us a rating uh that would be amazing (laughs) or you can send us an email Amber gets all the love letters. I get all the hate mail, but they go to the same place. It's crimewineandchaos.gmail.com. That's correct. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all the things. We're on all the things, you guys. All mm-hmm. the things. On, uh, yeah. on TikTok, you can see our faces. It's a video. Oh, it's a video. <laughs> video killed the podcast star. You know it's what I mean? It's true. It's true. It's true. Oh, sister, I love you so much. Sister, love you so Thanks. much. Thank you for making me cry. And mm. that was all just so fucking So chaotic. fucking chaotic. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. by 8th Direction Records. Artwork by Joshua M. Davis. Music by Paul Abner. 
If you would like to support the show, you can visit our Patreon page at Crime, Wine, and Chaos forward slash Patreon. Cheers. But like specifically the street number, which I won't say.